This is sermon number 10 in the series of 16 sermons on grace by Christopher Love. The text of the sermon is 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. Be strong in the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. We have already handled two great cases of conscience about strength of grace, about the consistency of strong temptations and strong corruptions with the strength of grace and shall now proceed to a third case, which is this. Whether strength of grace may consist with the want of those strong affections which Christians have at their first conversion. In answering whereof, I shall endeavor to show three things. One, when a man may be said uh, to lose his first affections. Two, In what cases may a strong Christian want strong affections? Three, whence it is that those that have strong grace may want such strong affections as they had at their first conversion? So the first question, when may a Christian be said to lose his first affections? Affections are fitly compared to the pulses of the soul, by which may judgment be given of the state and temper of the soul, and that we may know when these affections beat low and are decayed, we may make judgment hereof. The answer, first answer is when we have not such eager desires after duties, It is very remarkable that at a Christian's first conversion, he is so earnest and eager after holy duties that he will hardly allow time for the duties of his particular calling. Nay, how have men at first tied themselves to hear so many sermons, make so many prayers, read so many chapters, spend so many hours in holy meditation by themselves and good conference with other Christians. But alas, afterwards this fervor begins to cool and remit, and men pray less and hear more seldom. And this is from the multitude of their worldly occasions. Usually men at their first conversion, which as the divines have observed, ordinarily fall out between the 18th and 28th year of their age. Uh, Though God indeed uh, be tied to no year, Yet men at that age have usually less of the world, and so it comes to pass that afterwards, when the cares and profits and pleasures of the world steal away their affections, that they grow much more remiss than they were at the beginning. Second answer, affections may be judged to be decayed when men have not such ravishing joys as they were wont to have. How many have been at first in David's frame of heart. I was glad when they said to me, Come, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 122. But afterwards the overflowing of this flood of joy by the degrees hath abated. Third answer, when sensible profit by ordinances is abated. A man may profit by ordinances and yet not be sensible of that his profiting. A Christian may grow at the root in solidity of grace, although it may not shoot up so much in blossoms of affection. 
Second question, in what cases may a strong Christian want strong affections? Answer one, in case uh, you have less sin in duties, though less affections. A weak, young convert hath oftentimes much affection in holy duties, but much corruption too. They are very subject to rashness and precipitancy in their prayers and to be proud of any small measures of grace in duty and too apt to have carnal dependence upon their duties. But old, experienced Christians, as they have often less affection, so less sin in duties. Papists have very much affection in the performance of their devotions, but alas, they have the leaven of this error in their best duties that they think they merit by them but grown and knowing Christians though they may be not so affectionate in duty as the weak yet they may exercise much more grace than they do and so also it is after duties are performed weak Christians are apt to indulge their corruptions afterwards thinking they have made a compensation for their sins by their duties. But an experienced, grown Christian, though not so affectionate in duty, yet he is careful afterwards that he do not by sin spoil all his duties. Second, a strong Christian may want strong affections in case he has strength of judgment to recompense the want of his affections. Young trees are more sappy, but old trees are more solid. Wherefore, the Apostle prays for the Philippians not only that their love might abound, but that their judgment might also abound. Philippians 1.19 As a man that has come to his full age, although he do not grow in bulk and extension of his parts, yet he grows intensively and in the consolidation of the parts of the body. So old and experienced Christians, though they have not so much affection, yet they have more solidity, and clearness of judgment, more experimental knowledge in the profound mysteries of the gospel, and more distinct apprehensions of the deep things of Christ. A strong believer, what he wants in affections, he hath compensated to him in a distinct and experimental knowledge of the deceitfulness of the heart, of the vanity of the world, of the sinfulness of sin, and of the transcendent excellency of Christ. New converts are rash, inconsiderate, injudicious. And therefore we have a promise made to new converts that they shall proceed in grace. It is a promise made to the Gentiles when the kingdom of Christ shall come amongst them that though at the first they were rash, yet it is said the heart of the rash shall understand knowledge and the tongue of the stammerers shall be ready to speak plain. Isaiah 32.4 Affection without knowledge will be but rashness, which, like metal in a young horse, will be apt to precipitate him and make him stumble. An experienced Christian, though he hath not so much seeming metal in his affection, yet shall rid more way to heaven by far than a young convert, and that without fear of stumbling. At the first kindling of the fire, there may be more smoke, though afterward the flame will be clearer. 
So when at first thou hast much affection, afterwards thou shalt have a clearer judgment. Third, a strong Christian may want strong affections in case it proceed from a natural temper and not from a sinful, careless distemper. There are some persons that are naturally of a soft and tender disposition. These are naturally more affectionate. Nay, the woman who is the weaker vessel, commonly her heart holds most affection. And so likewise, there are some who naturally are more bound up in their affections and are of a reserved temper, who naturally do not break out into any great expression, either of the passion of joy or grief. We read in the gospel that they that expressed most affection to Christ at his death and made the most passionate lamentation for him were the women, who naturally are of a more melting disposition. Some men's dispositions are like ice. They will easily thaw and melt. Others, like iron, it must be a hot fire that will melt them down. So it is some men will be more affectionate upon a small occasion than others upon a greater. And this is from natural disposition. Melanchthon was not so affectionate as Luther, but it is observed that he was more judicious. Four, in case of sickness and old age and bodily weakness, he that hath strength of grace uh, may yet want strength of affection. The expression of our affection depends much upon the temper, temperature of, our, of the body. If bodily strength and vigor be impaired, our affections must needs flag. As the ebbing and flowing of the sea depends upon the motion and influence of the moon, so our affections do ebb and flow, much what as the strength or weakness of the body hath an influence upon them. As a musician, when he has grown old, cannot so dexterously handle an instrument as when he was young, though perhaps he hath now more judgment and experience in music. So it is in old age that brings experience in the ways of God, yet may abate affections. Old age and sickness makes the body like a tired horse to the active soul. An active traveler uh, would fain ride away to his journey's end, but his horse is tired. An aged, sickly Christian may have as much grace and more than he had at first, and yet not be so able to pray. And so a minister, not so able to preach affectionately as before. And this from the indisposition of the body. Third question. Whence is it that those that have strength of grace may yet want those strong affections which they had at their first conversion? First answer, because at first conversion, grace was but particularly employed, which afterwards was more diffused and generally employed. When much water runs in one channel, it makes the stream the stronger. When there are many rivulets cut out, though there is as much and more water, that there is not the same strength of stream. So it is at our first conversion. All our affections made up but one stream, and so our affections seemed the stronger. 
A new convert hath not so many duties to perform as a grown Christian hath, because he doth not know so many duties. It may be that at first all his affections run out to pray and hear the word and read good books. And whilst all the affections run in this one channel, they seem to be very strong. Whereas a grown Christian hath not only these general duties, but many particular duties of his calling and relations to follow. He hath many duties to perform to God and men, which a new convert knows not. And therefore it is that though his affections may seem weaker, yet his grace is as strong as before and stronger. Second, this is from the newness of the condition. Naturally, we are much affected with any new thing. As for example, for a man that hath been many years in a dark dungeon to be suddenly brought into the light, the suddenness of the change would much affect a man. This is the state of our souls at our first conversion. We are thereby brought from darkness into light and from the power of Satan unto God, 1 Peter 2.9. By the grace of conversion, God calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And because it is so marvelous, therefore it doth so much affect. The change at first conversion is very great. A man becomes another man. And a man is so affected that he is put into a kind of astonishment. Yet in this case, we must distinguish between solid affections and floating and transient passions, which do wear off presently and vanish suddenly. The affections of some Christians, especially young ones, are like those colors which are not in green. They will soon fade. It is with, it is with a young convert as with a man going to execution. While he is upon the ladder... A pardon is unexpectedly brought. How will this man be transported with joy? He will leap for joy. He will in that case be all joy and exaltation for the present. And it may be afterward the flush and torrent of his joy is abated, though his life be as dear to him as ever. So when soul has been brought by the law of God to a sight of its lost condition, and then the gospel hath proclaimed a pardon. And the Spirit of God hath set on the comfort of that pardon upon his heart. Oh, what ravishments hath the soul for the present, which perhaps he shall not long retain. The violence of his joy is abated, but the solidity of it remains. The soul is much affected with its first meeting with Christ, and though the flush of that joy be over, yet the soul's love to Christ is as much its prizing communion with Christ the same. The cripple, when he was restored to strength, went leaping and praising God because the unexpectedness of the cure did mightily affect his heart. And this is a second reason why those who are grown and solid Christians yet perhaps may not retain the same measure of affections they had at their first conversion. A third reason may be taken from God's indulgence to young converts, who usually gives in comfort according to the necessity of his people. It is with God, our Heavenly Father, as with natural parents, they are most tender over their newborn children. 
That parable of the returning prodigal is very full of, uh, to this purpose. His father did not only receive him mercifully, but bountifully too. He gave him more than was for necessity. Not only shoes, but a ring. Not only clothes, but the best robe. Not only bread, but the fatted calf. And music at his feast. Luke 15:22. And all this was for this newly converted and repentant son. Though his father did not entertain him so every day. So our God at our first conversion expresseth much of his bounty and indulgence to his children. Though afterward we may have the same love of God and the same love to God. Though the expressions may not be the same now as formerly in those days of God's bounty. Let us learn from hence that though we have lost those affections which we had, yet we must labor. Labor to be sensible of and humbled for those decays. A decayed condition is an uncomfortable condition, though thou hast so much grace as it will bring thee to heaven. Yet by thy decays thou wilt be very uncomfortable here on earth. Labor to get those decays repaired. If thou hast left thy first love, repent and do thy first works. Revelation 2.4 Make up the want of former affections in solidity of knowledge and judgment. And if the candle give not so great a blaze, let it give a more clear and constant light. Labor to keep up the primitive vigor of your affections. Remember, you may lose that in a short time, but you may be a long time in recovering. A man may lose more strength in one week's sickness than many months will make reparation. A wound may be quickly made, but not so soon cured. Philosophers will tell us that the way from the habit to the privation is far easier than from the privation to the habit. It is far easier to make a seeing man blind than to make a blind man see. So it is far easier to lose our holy affections than it is to recover them. Labor to keep up your holy affections. For the truth of grace is more discerned by our affections than our actions. Acts of grace may be easier dissembled than gracious affections. A painter may paint the color but not the heat of the fire. Labor to keep up affections as they were at first because it is very hard to retain them. It is hard to keep them wound up to any height. Flush of spiritual joy is like the sea. The tide doth not so flow, but the ebb doth fall as low. Bernard said of these strong gusts and great flush of these spiritual joys and gracious affections, they come but seldom and stay but a short time. As in nature there is a spring and then the fall of the leaf and one day is clear and another is cloudy. So it is with the best Christian. His affections are not always at the same pitch, at the same height. But it should be our endeavor to cherish and maintain in our souls our first flourishing affections in and toward the ways of God.
This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. You are welcome to make copies and give them to those in need. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. It is likely that the sermon or book that you just listened to is also available on cassette or video, or as a printed book or booklet. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle is adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.